healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the Basement Fellow Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, we are back, motherfuckers. We did it. We took a break, a successful break, a hiatus. Uh, we needed it. I needed it. Uh, a lot of things happened. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about that at the back end. Uh, there's going to be some changes. I had some time to think. Uh, the first one is that this is going to be coming out once a week now and only on Fridays. Maybe. I mean, it's definitely coming out on Fridays, but... But maybe that once a week thing um, might change. It depends, man. If we if we get a lot of shit in the can, maybe I'll just throw something up on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Like I said, tell you more about that uh, later. Right now, uh, what I want to tell you about is the fantastic Erin Ray. She has a new album out, her sophomore album, Putting on Airs. And, uh, and it's great. We featured a song, Bad Mind, on the podcast a few months back, actually. Uh, if you follow this podcast and you know that uh, we actually went to Kauai. For my lady's 40th birthday, and that was one of the albums that I took with me, and it was uh, it was magical. The album's magical. Aaron is magical, and we had a uh, she's in town for a couple days. Had a day off, decided to spend it in DC, and so uh, after a show at DC Nine, I said, "Hey, so why don't you come over to the basement and hang out?" That's exactly what she did. Got to meet cats, and uh, and we talked about stuff, and it was it was great. So we got that for you, and then um, right after that gonna review the Lori McKenna album now that is is something you know we've been doing a while but we haven't been doing quite like this um usually we have a big panel they're here in the room uh usually there's a bunch of beers involved uh but um long time listener and first time participant Kim Ware of the Good Graces we've played her music a good bit on this podcast uh also loves Lori McKenna in fact I think it was our review of Bird and the Rifle where she like we first came to her attention anyways um I hit her up. I said, "Hey, you want to you want to talk about it? You want to review it?" And she said, "Yes." And uh, and it was great. It was great talking to a person who makes music. Talking about music is pretty much the best thing, uh, the best thing ever. And uh, Kim's amazing. We talked. Uh, you're gonna hear about. I think it's like 15 minutes, maybe. We talked for about an hour. Uh, she's amazing. Hopefully, you will hear her more on this podcast, talking about uh, more music. And hopefully, she'll be coming through here to play a show. Hang out in the basement with all of us. I know Eduardo is a big fan. Uh, at any rate, that is what we're doing this week. Um, so get ready for Aaron Ray. Stick around for Laurie McKenna. And then at the back end, I'm going to fill you in on, on some changes that are coming your way. Uh, but for now, in the meantime, it is damn great to be back. Let's head on down to the basement. Uh, catch up with myself and Aaron Ray talking about, uh, well, everything. Maybe got loaded up uh or i got loaded up with music because it's just like first of all it, it takes fucking forever to get there yeah how long does it take to get there? uh six hours five well five and a half hours to la six hours to the island whoa 
Uh, it was a flight. Yeah. I did some damage to uh, the Legend of Zelda yeah. for the Switch. <laughs> did, yeah. some, did some damage to that. Nice. Uh, good for tours, by yeah. the way. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, But we were like, there was like no TVs out there. That was the point. It was like, it was just music. So yeah. loaded up stuff. And um, w- a couple of things loaded up. Loaded up uh, Phil's album. Yeah. Which I had just literally found out the week before that he, it was not just he was going to make it; it was done. Yeah. Like, uh, fo- loaded up my friend Sean Barner's album, which you should hear. It's called nice. Sissy. It just came out. Yeah. And your album, and uh, because I think I don't, I can't remember if Lars had written something about it by then, but I think I'd seen it. And and the way uh, I don't know how often you talk to like you know or how PR people pitch a lot of times. A lot yeah. of times it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking terrible, and. But when it works, it works. And, yeah. I, and I saw it, and I was just like, oh, uh, yeah, this is checking the boxes. Okay. Uh, I'm interested. I'm interested in hear the single. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay, then. Thank and you. And what ended up happening is we, you know, we're driving around on this, like, gorgeous island listening to this gorgeous record, and it just, it all, like, locks in and, like, recontextualizes in a way that maybe you didn't even think that it would. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, if you were thinking you made a record that is perfect for a tropical paradise. <laughs> <laughs> you did that. Cool. That's um, good to know. But uh, so I guess we got like a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you did make this r- remarkable record. Uh, there's one song in particular that we featured that I want to talk about too. But before we get to that, um, just talking about the music here. Now, you, I, I don't know if if you guys are cognizant of this. I haven't seen it anywhere, but you guys went to a church in Appleton, Wisconsin, correct? Yeah, it's it's this Franciscan monastery that's monastery, yeah. yeah, it's a uh, it's up in in Appleton. Um it's like 35,000 square feet, but it's it's now yeah. a now a arts foundation called the Refuge. Oh. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh Wisconsin besides being kind of magical. Yeah. <laughs> um and it is good for that type of stuff. Um one of my favorite bands of all time who hilariously I've never seen. I literally just missed them this week. Is Cowboy Junkies? Oh yeah, and it's very much um, the sound of this record because I've seen so many different ways in people trying to like categorize this. Is it yeah. indie? Is it country? Is it folk? Like what? What's going on? You know, I hear like in the first song, I hear uh, like Roy Orbison. Yeah, I hear George Harrison. Like it's it's all over the map, but it, it comes from I think, and and you can like set the record straight here. It it comes from the fact that that you guys did it in such a like a. I, I guess a, a rich environment for this, a loose environment. Yeah. Because I mean, when you get, it's not in like a sterile recording studio. No. It's just you get a big church and a monastery. It's like, whoa. Yeah. It was cool. Um, I think, you know, Jerry Bernhardt and Dan and Dom, uh, we've all been friends for a while. And, and Dom and Jerry and I had been touring for a little bit. So I definitely had knew that Jerry's music, he's got, just like an encyclopedia of music. Um, right. And I think taught himself how to play pretty much everything from listening to the Beatles. So the George Harrison <laughs> that, that makes comparison sense. is definitely that there. Absolute, yeah. Yeah. That's not made up. Um, but yeah, I think recently just, uh, I don't know. He and I were talking about it and I think it is just because we were able to, to stay there for eight days and oh. living in Nashville. Typically if you record, in a studio there, it's like you have studio time. Yeah. That's like maybe a certain number of hours during yeah. the day, like eight hour day or 10 hour day. And then you can go out that night or 
we all split up in your different areas of town or hangs or whatever. And with this situation, it was like we all stayed in our little monks' quarters and <laughs> um, in our in our one bedrooms and woke up and had coffee together and then got to work. Yeah, and then worked all day until eleven or later at night, and um, there wasn't really that interruption. Right. We did go bowling one night at the Super Bowl. Okay, in, in Appleton, Wisconsin. Excellent. But, um, but yeah, I think and just kind of allowing ourselves to the space, uh, to immerse ourselves in the space, and then not then not being interrupted. Um. Did you feel like yeah. like Freer because um and we'll talk a little bit about Nashville but like when um people think of Nashville and, and I think they're generally right you know it is like an industry city it is one of the last music industry yeah. cities and it's very like step steps that you know yeah. lock this in and do all this stuff and and I don't know um did you make your last album in Nashville Yeah 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 so but but you're familiar with with the whole grind there Yeah and like you know, was it was it a, a definitely like a conscious thing that like I just need to not do that for this? No, it was more like uh it just worked out that way. We were kind of given the opportunity to use that space. Um we met Corey and Adriel, Corey Chisel and Adriel Denae that run mm-hmm. the refuge and uh a couple of years prior playing the Mile of Music Festival and um Dan Nobler, who engineered everything, uh, he and his wife Carrie are godparents to Corey and Aid's kids. Oh, okay. So there was like all of these connections. Yeah. Um. And uh, so yeah, it was kind of like we were gifted that the opportunity to to use that space. Yeah. So we were like, well, yeah, let's <sighs> take that. Obviously, you know, and um. And and yeah, I mean. Did did you have the songs before you went up there? Yeah. You did? Yes. Uh, most of the songs had, had been done. I think we finished Mississippi Queen while we were there. But okay. I, or I did. But um, just the lyrics, I was Did, did they change when you went up there? Um, no. I didn't. I just had like a blank space for uh, the second verse. And okay. I knew like what I generally needed to say for it. But um. I just hadn't done it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Attention span sort of thing. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right. So, you know, you go up there with these songs, you come back with this, like, beautiful sounding record. When um, when you talk about, like, writing songs, uh, what is, is this all coming out of your head? Or you depend on, like, these other guys to, like, sort of flesh out these ideas? No, these are all, these are all my songs, basically. The yeah. music is... There, the you know the rec- the sounds that you hear on the record are very much what you those what you were hearing. yeah those yeah well that, no, that's what I was getting oh, at. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah the the musical ideas are Jerry's and Dom's and Dan's for okay. sure for uh for in this record large part in large part Jerry is is responsible right. for the sounds and uh yeah um and yeah and I think that is kind of back to your question about like the Nashville mm-hmm. system or whatever I from work from touring with um Jerry and Dom they're both from Philly and uh you know they're they're they just come from 
a different background of sure music and music community and influences. And so, uh, I knew after a short time with them that like, I don't know, just the idea, the idea to, to record right. with them. Well, you, kinda... You've worked with them. And so, you know, I mean, yeah. like a big thing. And, uh, so we just, uh, spoke to, uh, or not spoke to, but, uh, saw Lori McKenna mm-hmm. here and, um, a lot of her show this time is talking about how these songs happen and everything and then how uh, she writes with this person and this person and it all comes together. And mm-hmm. in, um, say, a, a strictly like indie rock like mold, then people don't look at that like that's a thing that you can do and it's a thing that you should do. But really, I think the best results are like, you know, when you have, you can lean on your friends, lean on your fellow you know, like musicians and be like, they understand you they understand yeah. when they when a song like grand scheme when you know when they when they hear your words for that or hear like a basic guitar part they're like oh i understand what you're doing now yeah and i can just go with that and like it's it's fascinating to see because when um there, there's a whole lot of a's out there for effort yeah <laughs> but when somebody like you on this album like lands it the the difference is so like palpable it's just like whoa and you jump Thanks. back you know, you jump back and it's like that's how you do that and you wonder or some people wonder like why that doesn't get done more often and the answer is like you're open to working with people yeah you know it is i think uh there there is a lot of you in this record obviously um but it is it, it does seem you know in that sense with the division of those duties like letting go of some of the ego yeah totally yeah which- yeah um yeah and i think you know the re- because the the last record was like the band that I'd assembled over uh, a couple of years and we just kind of tracked it all live in a couple of days with, or yeah. In one day or two days. Yeah. And um, it was just really important for me to capture that experience of playing music too. Um, That's like the more traditional, like Americana, Mm -hmm. you know, sound with the pedal steel and uh, traditional kind of harmonies and stuff. And, um, and I still love that record and proud of it, yeah. but I definitely wanted, um, ears, ears and brains from, from a different sonic sure. angle sure. to approach these songs with. And, and, and when you heard what they were coming out with, did that match like what you were yeah. thinking in your head? And I think it was see, just exciting <laughs> to see like, right. and it, I was kind of open. I didn't have like, once Jerry started sending over demos, we did a, we did like forward just demos to like an eight track mm-hmm. at his house. And, um, this, once I started hearing the things that he was adding, adding to yeah. it. And, um, I just kind of like loosened, loosened up the reins. Um, and yeah, just, it was just fun. Yeah. It's yeah. Actually, it's interesting because it, it blends all these things. So like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of like say English folk. Yeah. Like usually I hear English folk and I'm like, not today, Satan. It's yeah. not happening. Right. But the way you use it and the way it's used and the way your voice at times, it's like very clearly is pushing into that Fairport convention thing. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. She listened. Of course. Like, yeah, that. but it doesn't, it, 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 it just brings it more. I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to say more American or like country or anything, but it does bring it more, um, human yeah Let, kind of grounds it a little grounds bit. it less hobbity yeah less, and i love hobbits don't get me wrong totally. but 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 uh but just not in my music man right yeah and it's um and it, it's just a neat 
trick because I think um, a lot of stuff we were just talking about, uh, our friend Phil. Yeah. It's connecting mu- this older music. He's doing strictly American music. And, yeah. And so, but it's connecting this older music. Uh, it's connecting to the past, but presenting it in a way that people like haven't necessarily heard it before. And I mean, it, it, in that sense, it becomes like really powerful because you can then start changing what people think, which is what ha- I think happens a lot on some of these songs. Thank you. Especially something like uh, Bad Mind. Yeah. Which we're gonna, uh, might as well like hit on that now. Yeah. You know, that, that song, um, you know, you see what everybody writes about it. Yeah. And what your intent, and you've been like upfront about your intent about what everybody writes about it. When I heard it, um, like there is uh, all that, but I think it, it also speaks to more um uh, like a hidden uh a hidden cost of of our like society's lack of empathy yeah and it's uh and like every time i hear it now it, it completely crushes me and it like and i think about it and I, like i like i so i almost played the song uh for my mom who's yeah. not um i'll probably get aired out for this but she's not um she's not the nicest person yeah and uh she has some ideas cuz she's old yeah. And and um and my niece is identifies as queer. Yeah. And the other day on the phone my mom says to me, she says, "Uh yeah, I don't know about uh Emmy. I you know, I think you know the queer thing might be a problem." And I just had to stop and be like, "Hey, what do you think about what you're saying?" Yeah. Like this is a person that you you love. Yeah. And you're saying to them, well, then she's not saying them. That's the point. Right. And you're saying that, like, love them, but maybe if they were a little different. And, like, that going out into the world, like, multiply that over and over. Like, yeah. We don't, um, like, that's that's toxic. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? I mean, the story about your aunt is an extreme example, but you can easily, like, you know, it's analogous to what we're doing with immigrant children right yeah. now. Um, it's just finding just that like dehumanizes yeah and disconnects people from uh just the awareness that we have the same internal experience you know what yeah you know or just the same makeup of like desire to live happy joyous and free and right right and yeah. i've been thinking a lot about trying to figure out why do we as people like do that like it doesn't make sense and even no matter what you like everybody has done it yeah i mean it's just it, it it's and that's what's troubling is that no matter what you can see like that person's too short yeah but not a thing that i would say but somebody right. out there they just can't i mean uh what's his name uh randy newman wrote an entire song about that yeah you know but like this idea that the other whether you know we find all these reasons to like not love just in a general way, our yeah. neighbor is, it's weird. And I, and I don't like, like, I, I wonder when I hear a song like bad mind, if that is the way we're going to survive it, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, when you were writing it, I mean, this was, uh, I'm assuming you, like you, you had been upfront about all this before. And, but when you're writing it, like, were you thinking about like, Oh shit, this isn't going to be an important song or was it just, no, you know? no, I actually wasn't even, thinking that I would ever show it to really show it to anybody. I just kind of was like, because it's been, 
it started at such a young age, all of that anxiety yeah. and internalized stuff. Whereas, you know, still now it's like, and, and also fortunately understand that it's less, a lot less important than it maybe was for a time to like identify under a certain label, you yeah. know, um, as like gay or straight, but in just like the fixation outer, like definitely not wanting to be gay when I was 11, right, you know, right, like right, that's nuts. Right. That's crazy. Right, and it I is think, nuts. I think it was just, I think I, I've always been an anxious person and I kind of having some hindsight is 2020 stuff sure, with that sure, right sure. now. But I, I, I kind of was just trying to like string together. It was more just like trying to understand for myself, like what in the hell, yeah. like why am I still like fearful around all of this, just relationship stuff. And, um, so that, that was kind of like where I just came home from work that day feeling, you know, anxious or inquisitive about yeah. it, you know, yeah. and um, just kind of wrote it, wrote, wrote that all down. And then uh, later when we were putting, had batches of songs uh, or a batch of songs yeah. to, to go over and decide what, what to record, I showed it to... Um, to Jerry and he was like so sweet about it. <laughs> he was like, That's my new favorite Aaron Ray song, two thousand uh sixteen or whatever whenever it was. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Because like when especially when you get to the point in the song and um and you, when you played it last night, I was it was really I, I don't know what about it just drove it home when you're talking about, you know, you you your friend and she looked really great in the yeah. dress. And that speaks to not having to label anything. Just being yeah. like, yeah, you know what? You look yeah. great. Like that should be enough. Right. Like it doesn't matter what happens before or after that is like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Right. I think it's interesting. Um, just the phrase bad mind. Uh, it, it's, and I've noticed this in a lot of your work. It uh, uses sort of the Southern like lexicon a little bit. Yeah, you know that that that's almost like Pentecostal. Like if you're yeah. in church, you have a bad mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, say, get out, Satan. Yeah. You know? and and it it makes it heavier. Yeah, to what you're talking about because the idea that somebody uh, like your aunt could be just not um, whatever bullshit politicians were like preventing her and laws of freedom. Yeah, but it wasn't just their belief that they really were like this Satan. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, this, you're this is unnatural you're bad on the inside. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, and that is uh sadly still yeah. a thing in the South. Certainly. I mean, in North Carolina, it, it's yeah. Like, those fuckers are not, yeah. Uh, are not good for the world. Right. And <laughs> the government down there. But, uh, use of that and uh, phrases like uh, you said Mike Hood in a song. Yeah, I say that and people make fun of me, and I'm just like, come on, man, yeah. that's how you talk. That's how I talk. <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you doing? And it, and it, it it paints it. I think it it often elevates the just the writing on this uh, to like a new form of Southern literature. Thank you. It's not. I mean, it. Would you call your music like folk, or what, how would you classify it? Yeah, I get. I think. I mean, you folk, think? Yeah. yeah, I, um, I kind of grew up listening to songwriters from all over, like, the, I guess the American South. So I kind of just think of yeah. it as like, I don't know, American songwriting. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, but yeah, folk. It's kind of you know Doc Watson and yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate Campbell, Slade Cleaves, like all different kinds. Mississippi John Hurt. Um, to you know, a lot Kate, of Southerners. Kate Wolf. Yeah, 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 a lot of people from all over the South. And, yeah. And I, and I think Southern, like Southern literature presents the world in a slightly different way because it was coming out of uh, it's coming out of slavery. Like a lot yeah. of people were writing about that. I had this weird thought the other day um, that was I, I I haven't been doing this for a while. You, yeah. you are the first interview back, so thank yeah. you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Um, but uh, and in the in the break, uh, I've been getting like super fucking existential. Yeah, and I was just like, I just turned forty six, right? That's not that much more than a quarter of the time this entire country has existed. Yeah. And I, it's still, I'm just like, what does that even mean? Right. Like our concept of like history and stuff. And you think about like yeah. slavery or even just the civil war, the South. I, I grew up in Southwest Virginia. So yeah. In Lynchburg. And so that stuff like. That's crazy. It's, yeah. it's all around there. Yeah. And so it makes sense to me a little bit that people like can't let go of that stuff and people can't change and stuff. Right. And that, and the way people tell stories still, um, one thing I was really glad not to see uh, Southern in here, although well, I'll put it on air, sort of like that. Yeah. Um, the 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 uh, the bless your heart attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really just the worst way to say fuck you to anybody. Right. But uh, you know it, it's deserved and put it on air. Yeah, and it's not to anyone else. It's like to myself. You know, so right. it's like I'm not burning on anybody or right. calling them out. I'm just kind of like trying to be honest there. So. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 cool to see somebody like really dig into. Uh, the writing and like you seem to be like aware of like the southern tradition that like you're a part of now. Thank you. I mean, it's it's. Oh, no, I mean, thank you. You made the record. Well, that's a huge <laughs> compliment. I I kind of like I you know I've been super drawn. I mean, my favorite books, my favorite like uh book from growing up mm -hmm. is this book called Out of the Dust by Karen Hess, mm -hmm. and I got it when I was like nine years old, and it's about the Dust Bowl, but it's from, it's like a diary in prose, basically, like perspective from a little girl in the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl. Oh. And it's be it's a beautiful book. It's very sad. <laughs> but I read it, I've read it probably a hundred times in my life. And I always, books like that, that really capture the, um, just the dialect yeah. of people so you kind of, it kind of, you can feel, I don't know, that, what it feels like to maybe be around them. My dad's like an amazing storyteller and yeah. um, he's from the southeast corner of Missouri and in Carothersville. Okay. You know, and yeah. my mom is from Birmingham, Alabama. And the, she's a writer and a poet and my dad is a songwriter and oh, yeah. so just the combination of like growing up with yeah, that yeah. kind of influence i'm I'm terrible about reading books consistently currently but that's what i'm always drawn to is like writers like greg brown or kate campbell kate campbell is one who she has like the song called sea rock city and that moon pie dreams it's all just like so enriched like I soaked dreams. in the south yeah. you know yeah and um well there, there's a very yeah. there's a i mean uh, uh to overgeneralize 
there's a very specific view of life you get from a uh, the stoop of a trailer park. Yeah. That doesn't like I, I will not like ever use the term coastal elites. I've lived on the coast my whole life. I love big cities like but yeah. it's just it's just different. Yeah. Um we uh our family like owned a like industry's even different. Our family owned a uh, furniture company. Yeah. Um and my grandfather started and, and he made furniture like it's actually that was the first frame yeah. he drew. Wow. Um and uh and my mom ran it and we it was in Bedford County and we employed I think at one point like forty percent of the county. Whoa. Which is yeah, that's wild, right? Yeah. And people don't think about that when they think about business. They're like, Oh no, you're actually now responsible for these these people to do stuff. And yeah. as a part it, it, it just was a weird community, but like I worked there in the summers and got to see all these things that that uh, hilariously, uh, my family, my parents, like, didn't want me exposed to. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, oh, those people will live in trailers, or they, you know, they, yeah. or they do this, or they uh, drink a lot of beer or something. And it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, what else are you going to do? It's hot. Yeah. It's fucking, it's hot, it's, it's shitty, degrees. it's hot, shitty, and we're poor. Yeah. Um, And that's, uh, you know, and it's, it, when it ekes correctly into storytelling, it, it is the stuff that I, like, I like the best. I don't, yeah. I... I don't. I can't name off the top of my head any like modern Southern like storytellers. Although I'm getting ready to read uh, David Sedaris's new book, and yeah. the reason I find him so funny is because it's so goddamn Southern. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he doesn't even try. It's just he says something, and, you, and a lot of people will be like, "What?" Yeah, I'm like, "Oh no, man, no, that's that's that's, that's the good stuff." It is like the book. Um, have you like Rick Bragg all over but the Shouting? I know the book. I haven't read it. Yeah, it's it. That's one I read a couple of times in a row just because I couldn't get enough of like the dialect and um but yeah uh there's something else i was gonna say about that but it's since left my mind (laughs) (laughs) so um you know you go you jump around on this uh and then uh you mentioned mississippi Mississippi queen a lot yeah uh and you seem to be that is that your favorite song on the album uh or am i reading that wrong I don't know. I that song was that song was definitely fun to to turn into music. I feel uh I don't know. It's interesting playing it now. I like I have a, a, an interesting relationship to that song. I can't decide how I feel about it. Okay. Yeah. I um I like it a lot and that's one of the songs that's more looking outside of myself and look, mm-hmm. you know it's about an- other people another person and um are you one of the characters in the song yeah i definitely pull from my own ex- experience um like got a big plan gonna live free kind of thing is like just uh you know romanticizing like the middle uh being late up late drinking and just talking yeah. out of your ass about just being like um yeah like <laughs> what's up 22 years old <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like, like but it, that when that goes on and on forever it's like i don't want that to come across as judgmental to anyone because it's right. just definitely not about that bit in particular is my experience of just being like what the hell am i talking about like at two in the morning like <laughs> I I need to, I gotta go work my restaurant job in the morning and I you know I don't have any money and like but just basically it's just it's kind of I don't know it's kind of like trying to understand 
yeah, I it's like. Well, it yeah. seems like if if and and tell me my take on the songs, right? It's like all the things you've been talking about, and it seems to like that is. Um, you can attribute that to restaurant life, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've I've cooked for a living. And it's yeah, like, it's, it's the yeah, same thing it, every day. Yeah, and it's the same thing every day. You can turn the restaurant life, but also I think, uh, and, I, and I wonder if it's not important to like figuring stuff out. Yeah. When you don't have a normal way to figure stuff out, because right. like, if you work at a restaurant, whether it's waitstaff or a kitchen, yeah, your life's kind of fucked up. Right. Because <laughs> it's like you get off at like one or two. Yeah. And then there's just like a bunch of vampires left up, and and everybody is just an alcoholic. Yeah. Or or like there's a lot of blow. There's like it's just right. It, it, it is, there's... and it's it's being able well, able in quotes to live like the rock and roll lifestyle, but without being a rock star. Right. So you get you do all the shit that like hurts. Yeah. And you get none of the benefits. Yeah. But you also I think make uh, if you're doing that when it's when you're younger. Um, Especially if you, like, say, didn't go to college. Right. I, I wonder if that's just not ne- uh, a necessary part of, like, learning how to socialize. Yeah. It was for me. Uh, bartending. I wasn't a great bartender. I was a much better server than I was a bartender. But uh, I just wasn't fast enough. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, learning to just be assertive and just, like, yeah initiate a conversation with strangers and just taking the whoo god i i was shaking in my boots my voice got so high but like (laughs) like my first shift my lunch shift was like this lady looked at me so insane because my voice was like dog whistle high by the time i got to her (laughs) table i it was like i had 12 tables in my in my section like inside and out it was a nice day my first shift on the floor by myself and just like running my ass off with ADD and not able to like, you know, I didn't have like the cyst. I didn't have the neurological like right, wiring right, right, down right. to right. like file things yet. When it got a lot better, fortunately, but just so nervous initially, and it just taught me so much about just how to show up each day. And that's yeah. like a, a tool that I'm have you know utilize on the you need road. It on the road, <laughs> yeah. To be like, okay, am I going to be? complaining about stuff or just interacting with all the different weird personalities that exist like in such you know especially from like we've had great luck with sound guys being super sweet and cheerful but like you never know it's like some some you know it's i mean just kind of like treating everything like it's a cartoon and we're all a bunch of kids and like well we're like oh we're all a bunch of grown-up kids yes and everything's way funnier and fun then but yeah, and just choosing but, like, each day. Now, yeah. like one thing I really super appreciated, and I think this comes from you coming from like an industry city like Nashville. Yeah, that show was tight and quick. Thanks. Like we are old, and I was just like, and Daria and I, we met, like we talked about this all the time. We're like, maybe if they just went on on time and didn't play for three hours. Yeah, I'm like fifteen bucks, twenty, whatever it is. Yeah, like and don't start at ten thirty at night. I just want to get the show get and, right, and you're on it. And it was great. And I was like, Thanks. oh, damn, that's how people do it in Nashville. Yeah. Like, it's time to, because you might, a lot of people would have, like, another gig. Right. You know, so it was like 9.30, oh, I got to go to the other gig. Yeah. Or I got to go to a bar shift. Yeah. And, and stuff. And uh, that's something the world could use. The yeah. It's not a <laughs> Definitely le- use. It's fun. It's crazy. Like, as busy 
of a music town as as Nashville is. It's not like a late night town. Mm-mm. Like my friend, I had a friend from, that moved from Phoenix, and she was like, "Yep, in Phoenix, shows don't start till like ten thirty or 11. And I was like, "That's weird." They start at like six. You know, it's like there's I, like the in, the industry crowd that like goes to early shows. Yeah. After work on their way home, and then there's like seven show a seven o'clock show, and then like a nine. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I hate admitting this because so like the other side of the site that we do is is covering live music, and it's that way because before I, we did this, I did that and like learn how to like shoot and photograph shows and yeah, and I don't I don't do it anymore partially because it's uh, just my job yeah like and it gets in the way yeah but partially because I you know yeah that idea is having done the restaurant thing. And knowing I have a job and all this stuff, and knowing that like if I do that, I'm gonna be out till like probably eleven, eleven thirty. Yeah. Probably no chance that I'm I'm gonna have no beers. Yeah. Like is right. this, you get in there, you're like, <laughs> that's a sweet jam. It's yeah. Like, I guess I'll take it. Yeah, get another beer. Yeah. Um. And 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 knowing how all that works, and then when I see somebody uh, come to town and they're like start a show at like eleven, eleven thirty, I'm like, nope. Yeah, like we're just staying in, like, and we'll literally be in bed before some bands start. And, yeah, and and it makes me feel old, but at the same time, like, I wonder how, like, how different an audience could be. Because it, look, it doesn't make any difference if somebody sells at the nine thirty club at eleven thirty; they're going to sell it out at six thirty. Yeah, they, they don't necessarily care who that audience. Yeah. is. Yeah, but it is. It I have seen the shift over the eight years or nine years we've been doing this of moving to that in dc because dc wants to be more of a uh sort of a new york yeah thing um but you get in a place like nashville we were there two years ago yeah and uh and like i said it's only it's great yeah yeah you know, it's, it's normal yeah you know as normal and then uh it was normal until you get in the roberts western world and yeah it's amazing yeah um uh, fried bologna and a pbr for five bucks come on yes like that is it's great uh we also when we were there it's funny we just missed um uh, I think he's a friend of yours, Joshua Headley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was playing, like, later that day. I had no idea. But I'd heard that he was doing stuff around. He's, I know, um, are you friends with uh, Ellis, Robert Ellis? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been down here, actually. And he's he's great. Like, yeah. That, it, talking with him changed it, what made me pick up guitar again. And it's just like, whoa. He's dude, like, what do you, yeah. he showed up in a suit, too. Yeah. Sharp dresser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, how I mean, how involved are you with that little scene there? Because that seems to be, um, I actually seems like I your music he, fits in right right with what they're doing. Um, yeah, I th- I think um, like Josh and I got to do a seven inch split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, got to sing some on like Margot's last record and Andrew Combs and oh wow, um, they're all everybody's everybody's friends and um, I think. Get getting to sing harmony with everybody for a while, it was like such an amazing way for me to meet people and um, in, in meet people at venues and meet you know mm-hmm. just and learn so yeah. much about shows and uh, how to try and put a band together and and how to I don't know just the, just what all goes into it and yeah, yeah. it kind of allowed me. It la- it allowed me a long, um, like I started writing songs almost ten years ago. Uh, like I got a guitar when I turned eighteen, 
and then started started playing like almost nineteen. But basically, had, had you not like because you said your your dad and uh, I mean it seems like there was music floating around your family. Yeah, I definitely sang with them. Okay, yeah. So you sang. I sang with them when I was younger and and with him when I was older. But but yeah, I think over the last like nine almost ten years getting to sing with all those folks and learn from them and see them take off. It's allowed me a, like a long time to, to feel connected to a scene while I was still learning and growing. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, I kind of got started late, you know? So, um, so yeah. I mean, you can hear it on anybody's record. Yours definitely, but honestly all theirs, all theirs, you can hear it when you, when somebody's doing it right. And, and I know it's a mystical thing. Like and some people, you might call it authentic. I, I don't know, but uh, the people think that you can't place it. I think you can. I think you can hear it. And then, like, so, like, you hear uh, putting on airs and, like, like it's just uh, sonically apart from, like, everything else. Pe- stuff is in the right place. And then you start to look into why and you see that. You yeah. see that, like, oh, uh, this actually developed because she did the work and, and everybody involved did the work. Yeah. And weren't just, like cranking something out and like pulling in some random like studio musicians yeah to, to get shit done and that um i, I mean if anything I, that's i i want to see like you and like that whole crew like just win yeah just thank win you everything because it is it is such uh you know it, it's so amazing to see that i think you know back to us on like bad mind uh, i don't know for sure but i think Art is one of the ways that we're going to make it through all this bullshit that's going on. Yeah. Which is not to say, you know, like, DC is big for, like, punk, hardcore. And totally. And they're like, can you imagine the amazing art that's going to be made? Like, fuck that. Like, yeah. It's like, can you imagine how many people are going to suffer? Yeah. You know, but I think uh, when you pack something so full of, like, empathy that your album is or that their album is or that even uh, Ellis's album, you know, his last album, before he knew any of this was coming on. Yeah. That people can, like... It, at the very least, get an escape that means something. Yeah. That isn't like a solo cup. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're welcome. Um, And uh, I think that is, uh, that keeps people like sane. I hope. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) I mean, I I love like, um, and on like Margo's mm -hmm. records too, like all American made and, um, Hands of Time from her last record and yeah, Desperate and Depressed. Uh, so many songs. My aunt Kelsey Walden, who we were talking about yeah, yeah, earlier, yeah. Um, she's another person who's like speaking of just like southern. Uh, you're just capturing like a southern perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from Western Kentucky, like outside of Paducah, and um, her first record. Even it was called the Gold Mine. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, it's great. So good. It's and great. the song High and Heels like still gives me goosebumps just because it it so perfectly captures like this empathetic yeah. view of the truth for so the of reality for so many people. And she still make all all songs that she makes capture that like the the record that she's got that's not out yet. Yeah, it's an, not uh, lacking any of that, and it's 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 just she's an example of someone that's so cool and so truly herself, and the music is is country as you would call it, you know. Yeah. But also, 
you know, she pulls influences from Bill Withers and it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like listens to country was an evolution of rhythm and blues. So, yeah. Like I mean, in, she introduced me to run the jewels. I was not familiar, <laughs> you know, she's like, this is my hype music. And, and so it's just like, she's, I don't know, just kind of redefining what I think Southern music is, you know, it's like yeah. looking to all the different artists, just not just songwriters or not just like traditional songwriting, like towns, you know, but like, the vast anyway yeah, i'm no, getting I, off on a tangent no 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 that's fine i love that's, my that's friend kelsey <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's the point i'm yeah. trying to make no i like i think uh, i think i think that's necessary i think in anything and and something uh we've talked a lot about country music uh and range from everything from stuff like that to we've i mean we covered florida georgia line yeah because look it exists it's, it's in yeah. it is a thing um you can mock it you can hate it you whatever you want to do but it also makes people happy so yeah it's not that bad but um it is very cool to see um this more like social layer laid on top of country when you think about what country music was you know and and even like coming from bluegrass like in the appalachian you know it's like sort of celtic tunes and to celebrate your history your family talk about that yeah and that seems to have gotten lost a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't whether you want to call it like outlaw country, whatever, whatever you want to call it, it's yeah. coming back. You have people who are doing the weird like hybrid, uh, like Isbell mm-hmm. is doing um, his stuff. Uh, and honestly, Isbell, you know, this happened in rock music for Southern music uh, back when he was in Drive By Truckers 15 yeah. years ago. I used to be able to see those guys at a place called Alley Cats in uh, Richmond, Virginia. And they would, one time they literally blew the power out. Yeah. That was how, like, like just shit-stomping those shows were. Yeah. But what Patterson and Jason and Mike were doing uh, was taking uh, a very hard look at the situation and what the people who like the music that serves those communities, like in this case, Leonard Skinner, um, what they're really dealing with and how to speak to them. Yeah. And that – and and – that doesn't happen a lot. I mean, people, uh, because pop, whether it's country, hip hop, whatever, is so huge. Like it, every, everything gets pushed aside to like you know folk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like this little thing. And it's not the big thing, but but I see it coming around more of the big thing. Musgraves is another one. Yeah, who does that? I I think uh, uh, like Merry Go Round. I think is the most brutal song about the South yeah. ever written. Like I laugh every time and I cry every time I hear it. Yeah, Pageant Material is my like five albums of all time. Yeah. That, that is so ungodly well-written. Yeah. And executed. And it's just like, you know, people can get into that because there's also that pop layer to it, mm-hmm. especially now. Yeah. You know, Space Cowboy and High yeah. Horse. Come on. It's awesome. <laughs> it is hot. I'm like having so much fun. Uh, I was just scrolling through her Instagram stories of her in Japan right now. Yeah. It's just like so cool. And yeah. So, uh, such a fun like crossover thing to see. Well, and it's also getting it's it's getting that stuff where she is able to, uh, and I hope like you like as more people like find out about you are able to um, r- write these things that are serious, yeah. But appeal to somebody. It's, it's almost like just sneaking it in like a little Trojan horse. Yeah, like, I know you're having fun, but really we got to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> and and then people start to think about it, and then think about like, wait a minute, 
maybe I can do both. And, uh, and maybe that's how, you know, you save the world. I don't know if you knew you signed up for that. <laughs> I didn't know. But uh, Happy to help. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That, that's good. Um, you got a day off, so I know you got to... Yeah, uh, I I'm get, chilling. Get you going. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming down. Thank you so Thanks much for, for making having me. Uh, next time, I don't know if we'll be here. Yeah. Next time. Well, I'm in Wisconsin a lot. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Yeah. Catch up. Thanks a so later. much See for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Big thanks to Erin Ray and her uh, and her team, who uh, found out it was from Wisconsin, um, for uh, taking the time to do that. That was that was a great conversation. That that was, um, and I, and I told this. You hear me say this in in this. You know, you get out of practice talking to people, and uh, and as nice as it was to put down these microphones, uh, it was even better to uh, to hook them back up, plug them in, and have a conversation like that. Uh, I hope. We'll be talking to her for a long time to come, as long as this podcast is going on. And just, you know, check in with her every album or so, or just when she's coming through town. Um, she's a she's she's a rad person, man. Uh, and I love her music. If you haven't checked out Putting On Airs, uh, there's a link in the show notes for it, but do that. Make your life better. Uh, now, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Lori McKenna's new album, The Tree. I recently saw her twice, once in Annapolis, uh, and once at the New City Winery here in Washington D.C., both shows were fantastic. They were um, a, a different kind of. It's it's almost like a storyteller. She talks a lot between um, between the songs, and which is kind of funny because her songs are so like descriptive. They they put you in a place, and uh, and and you you just see it in your mind. You live in it, and that's how the the emotion gets you, and it sort of squeezes on your heart, gives you the feels, and uh, and she is one of. Uh, the world's not just America's greatest uh, living songwriters, and um, her new album is tremendous. So uh, I said, find somebody. I said to myself, find somebody who uh, feels the same way. Kim, where is it? And so we're gonna head uh, across the internet. She's all the way down in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and actually was just a few days earlier recording her next album, playing out some stuff. You'll hear us talk about it, man. Uh, so so let's let's hit that right now. Um, here you go, talking about uh, Lori McKenna's. The tree. Something she didn't do. She only sits for a minute. She's a hummingbird in a living room. She's a silhouette smiling with the weight of the world on her chest. She'll move a mountain for you by the afternoon. It's, 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 um, I have feelings about it now. Yeah, I do too. It, 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 it's weird because, like, we talked a little bit about it, um, and uh, you know, before it came out, and I don't think you had heard it, uh, and uh, but it was that line, and people get old. Yeah. It it, it took, um, and we'll talk about this. It, it took a little. It took seeing her do these songs live twice mm-hmm. for some of them to really like hit. Cool. Because because yeah. I think it's a little different kind of album i think so too yeah um it's more of a grower than her last one i think oh yeah oh yeah it's cool but uh you ready 
Sure. Ready? Kim Ware, thank you for hanging out. Kim Ware, the good graces, all the mm-hmm. way from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, glad you were able to do this. We've been talking um, sort of online, offline a lot about the podcast, and and your feedback has been uh, actually quite essential. Oh, there, there's, good, there's, thanks. Yeah, no, there, there's some, I mean, you know, we, we don't exist entirely in a, in a vacuum, but there's some people that um, I think get what we're trying to do here and, and are honestly just really want to talk about music. Yeah. Right, and mm-hmm. and that's what and that's why when we started talking about Laurie McKenna's new album, I said, "Hey, do you want to talk about Laurie McKenna's album? Because that would be absolutely perfect." We got right now. Eduardo is sad because he's not doing this, <laughs> but he's well, he'll he'll be fine. He's talked about like about seven hundred other albums over the course of the podcast. So. Yeah, he likes her though. I think right. So oh, he loves her. But, yeah, we went yeah. to we, the the show we went to uh, at City Winery here. Um, he went with us. We actually mm. got the tickets, and uh, and it was great. And he got he got a little emotional, Aww. as you as you want to do. But look, <laughs> yeah. she'll do that to you, right? Um, for <laughs> for people who don't know, um, Lauren McKenna. Besides, she look, she's one of I think you and I would both agree one of the greatest songwriters of this generation. Yeah. Um, she actually uh, I came to her at Burden the Rifle that was 2016, produced by Dave Cobb. And, you know, that's honestly, uh, and embarrassingly, I think I came to that, like, uh, Dave Cobb, he produces on me, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to listen to that, without knowing a damn thing about her. Um, Burden the Rifle may be one of my top five albums of all time. I That yeah. album j- just is, is, I think all her work is crushing, but I think that album in particular is just uh, damn near perfect. Um but her work goes all the way, yeah. Her work goes all the way back to 2000 um, when she started um, up in uh, where is she? Stelton, Massachusetts. Yeah, not near not Boston in, not, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right outside Boston. Not not in Nashville, and yet she's become one of Nashville's biggest singers. She has ten albums to her name, including The Tree now. Um, and she, uh, I just listened to one the other day called Bitter Town, uh, made in 2004. Very 2004 country. Uh, same with Massachusetts in 2013, uh, very of the age. And I think what was interesting about Burn the Rifle is that it, it felt a little, a little timeless. Um, her, I think, matching uh, the styles that are going on in Nashville and, and all that uh, it, it can be attributed to the fact that she writes for the biggest names like in Nashville, like Little Big Town. Like that song Girl Crush? She wrote it. Yeah. I mean... Um, and, uh, and so now she is back with the tree. Uh, I want to play a little track right now. Um, this is one of the singles because it has, uh, one of the best lines of 2018 in it. Uh, this is a little bit of People Get Old. Someone said this wasted on the young. Spilled every last drop of time that summer in the sun. The daddy had a Timex watch, cigarette in his hand, and a mouthful of scotch. Spinning me around like I tilt the world on his own. I just need paint when I spring snow. Kids, come on in before your supper gets cold. Collection plates and daddy's bell fold, and that's how it goes. You live long enough, people get old. That line. Daddy had a Timex watch, cigarette in his hand, and a mouthful of scotch. Is um, that's something that you and I were talking about? Is is 
so relatable to a certain like generation of fathers. Yeah, definitely. I guess. I guess. I mean, um, I have chills wing- right now <laughs> thinking about that one. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a very um, it's a thing she does that I think uh, I don't know if I said this to you, but I, I put it as sort of it's. She writes this music that feels very much like Born on the Fourth of July, um, the Oliver Stone yeah. film and Tom mm-hmm. Cruise, and it, it's because it has like this sheen that feels very distinctly American, and it, and it, it filters, like somehow filters everything around it out, but it just it 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 feels like classic in a way that other stuff doesn't. Yeah, you get that, and you get like that vibe? important. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Yeah, it's you know the the sentiment for this song is not original. I I don't know that right. <laughs> I don't know that most of the sentiments for a song are necessarily original. Um, she's a co-writer, uh, well, she co-writes with a lot of people, so a lot of it isn't even necessarily her experience. Um, but uh, it's some ability to tap into, um, uh, and maybe maybe we're just like softies for this. I don't know, but. It's, <laughs> But just this ability to tap into a uh, a part of our humanity that like like I want to be in touch with. Yeah, does definitely. Do, does it do the same for you? It does, and I mean, I think yeah, some of it probably is our age a, a bit. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been comparing like this one to her previous one a good bit too, because I loved Bird in the Rifle so much. Yeah, and and song song for song, I think that one is probably has maybe catchier songs but this one it does it's like i think also just with everything kind of going on right now like yeah differences from each other are like more apparent than ever unfortunately yeah and yeah. but this is an album where it's like that kind of stuff doesn't matter because it, it's about stuff that that really really matters for anybody i think yeah i you know? think well it's weird because this album is, is, I think, at its heart, an album about motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I am not a mother. <laughs> I don't think you are. Are you? No, you don't, you I'm don't not either. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, so, so this isn't really necessarily mm-hmm. something that we can like personally relate to, and yet it it becomes like about the most mm-hmm. one of the most important things. And you mentioned yeah. early, early that this was more of a grower, and and I think that might be a little bit why where. Mm-hmm. Bird and the Rifle, um, she writes these like iconic characters, and they're pitted against each other. So a lot of times, it's a it's a male female couple, and uh, you know the the female will be like, um, you know, growing her wings in the Bird and the Rifle, and and the male is usually like drinking too much, which is country, yeah, you know that, that's country music and stuff. So, um, but uh. There's not a lot of that on this. Instead, it leans more on just memories of uh, childhood and memories of a realization of mortality, realization of like who you are as a person through your like filtered through your family. Totally, yeah. And and it's I mean, and it's consistent on that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I, it's funny you mentioned motherhood because that is exact. Like, that's what stands out for me too. Is Definitely the recurring theme in several of the songs of motherhood. Mm-hmm. And um, even before we talked about discussing this album, it was last weekend was my mom's birthday, and I, pre- I oh, had wow. pre-ordered the album for my mom. Oh. And 
I don't do that often. Like, I don't, I, yeah. I'll, I'll buy music for people if I know they like it, but my mom had no idea who she was. I was just, I was like, I want my mom to hear this. Yeah. So it's that kind of album. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there is um, a lot. And, and, and again, if you see her, I think a big key to unlocking this album for people is going to be um, going to see her live because she talks a lot. And she tells the stories of how these songs came about, but also what she was thinking about. And then it gets filtered through like her and like two or three other songwriters, because that's just how Nashville works. But, you know, when she talks about the tree, you know, the apple mm-hmm. doesn't fall too far from the tree. And uh, when she talks so about um, Young and Angry Again, like mm-hmm. it that 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 song, um, it could be like a standard just like country raising hell song. But it's so very special. Like specific the line throwing bottles at a high school chain link fence. Yeah, that 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 it, that introduction of that high school chain link fence. All of a sudden, I don't know what it does. It's been driving me crazy since I first heard it. <laughs> it changes it though into something so mm. like deeply personal, and you believe that like she is the one talking, and it is about mm-hmm. going and and being like, hey, I've I've got these kids now, I've got this life, but what about that? And how do I like sort of reckon? those two things together she does the same thing uh on a uh, lot behind saint mary's as well yeah. uh but that's in that's in reference i think to like uh the protagonist and like their relationship their husband or whatever mm-hmm. um you've got like the way back home on here um is there's a lot of songs about her kids that she'll tell you mm-hmm. uh that that's about watching her kid or actually that one's about her going um to nashville to work and uh, wait, I'm getting my songs mixed up now. Yeah, you might be confusing. <laughs> you, you you won't even know I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's about that's about her. No, the way back home is right because that's that's okay. about her about it's about um her like uh basically seeing her son off to college mm. and saying all these dumb things to her son mm. and yeah exactly <laughs> um a track a track that you like that I want to play a little bit of is uh, you can't break a woman and then so we're gonna play a little bit of that. Cool. And then uh, come back and you can talk a little bit. Here's a little bit of You Can't Break a Woman. I feel like that's the most, um, I guess, classic country album yeah, track in the album. I think so. I think that's like a country, you know, like I can hear that on country radio, and mm-hmm. but be like, oh man, that's a that's a good one on on country radio. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and that one and and like happy people. I think they they're back to back on the album. Yeah, happy people and can't break a woman. Those two to me kind of sound like 
songs that could have been on Bird and the Rifle. Um, uh-huh. Just because they're just a little more just immediately catchy, I think. But what I love about, I mean, yeah, Can't Break a Woman. I mean, that's just, it's totally like the perfect, like classic country song. My mom and I talked about, we talked about the entire record. She was so cute because she said she was going to make notes and report back. And she did. And she went through every single song Aww. and told me what she, that's yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. It's really sweet. So it's really oh. cool that it's like my mom and I kind of are enjoying the album together, you know. But um, for that one, like she really loved that one because my mom is a big fan of like the more upbeat songs. Yeah. But, yeah. but what I noticed about that one and all her songs are in like the players that she has with her are amazing mm-hmm. but there's such a sense of restraint like can't break a woman the way it ends like i think yeah. she repeats that line you can't break a woman who don't she, love you anymore she says you can't like break she, a woman who don't love you yeah yeah she repeats it just once and like when i listen to it i'm like man she could have like repeated it a couple more times and added like some stacked harmonies and stuff and made it like yeah, yeah, super yeah. cheesy and, and like catchy you know but but she doesn't and there's like several cases of that where it's like they they could really do that thing and they they don't and it makes me wonder like did did they think about doing that thing or or is it it's like well, it's that's part of their thing, though, is practicing that restraint that I think is just really like mm-hmm. thoughtful and pulls you in in like a, a kind of a different way. If that makes sense. And, and I th- yeah, it does. And I think that's a lot of that is being a, a just a really good editor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of writing, and, and you know this as a songwriter, part of writing is being very concise. And you can yeah. like go out to it, but like the, I know, um, in you know, my misguided attempts to actually write lyrics for songs. The first instinct is to go like wild with it, and you have to like over-explain everything, and it's just it's it's <laughs> because you gotta like I got this has got to impress everybody, and that, and that's never never right. I mean, like the third verse is just go go on and twist the knife. She won't feel a thing. You can pour salt in that wound, but it won't sting. Mm. There's so many bigger ways you could say that, mm-hmm. and the other verses are all four lines, but that is just like, and that's actually the point of the song. Yeah, that, that's sure. the whole point of the song, right? She sort of so it's like building down to that. It, it's it's remarkably efficient writing. Yeah, um, and um, and maybe maybe that's why it works so well, and why mm-hmm. she is who she is. You know, um, you mentioned happy people, so that was actually a little big town hit. Yeah, I saw that, and I was I wasn't familiar with it before. I wasn't um, either. But... I, I wasn't either. Uh, written with Haley Witters. Uh, who was a young kid uh, writing in Nashville, and uh, that was one of her first mm. uh, charted hits. Um, cool. And you know, she collaborates with all these people almost to like to to say, "Hey, we are." Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of messy songwriting in Nashville right now, mm-hmm. and and you know, maybe we can like work together and try to clean it up. And I think that right now um, might be her like greatest asset is that um there, there's no bullshit like with a Lauren right. McKenna album yeah it is this is this this song has been made by like an infinite number of artists but mm-hmm. to me it has never sounded this good it's I would argue it's even been made by her this is like a, this oh, is a, yeah this is definitely a dark, on her earlier stuff for sure. Well, yeah. not only that, this is a darker version of of Bird and the Rifle. Bird and the Rifle mm. used metaphor, true, yeah. and and stuff. And this is like going straight to it. It's just mm-hmm. like 
the guy drinks too much whiskey. He gets right. stoned, and it's just and um, and it stops just short of of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's implied. Yeah. Um, and uh, and again, you know, using the less is more approach to that. I I, I think. Um, yeah, it's wild because I, I don't know how big a fan of country music you are. More now than I was growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I do. I like. I like it. I like it. Yeah, like when it, it, fine now. Yeah. <laughs> when it when it works, when it works, right. it's like you know, it's the the pathway into country music these days. I think is is it starts off just admit that it's a guilty play. Uh, Daria, my lady, said uh, she she got me started listening to Florida Georgia Line a couple uh, years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, okay, that's your fir- right. I know that's that's your first instinct, right? So, so she lays it out there like, but hey, this is just like fun pop music, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to listen to it like having a serious emotion about a red solo cup. Like I, I don't want to do that, but but I I do want to be like in a stadium where people are just going nuts over this dumb fucking music yeah and you know that recalls i mean look my favorite album of all time is boston's third stage you don't get much more ridiculous than boston (laughs) and 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 i think and i think you can you can find um like in in this stuff like you find your way in and, and then what you find is that you um there's just some of the most remarkable people like working in the music industry right now are making country music. Um, and I know, how would you classify your music? I mean, I have some songs, I have some songs Mm -hmm. that are pretty country, I think, but as a whole, I don't, I don't think of it as country. I think of it more as like, I guess, indie folk or something, but yeah. Yeah, but whatever. I don't know. I mean, I have a twang. So. Right, 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 right. I mean, and and maybe that's all it takes. You know, maybe you know somebody hears your stuff and is like, "Whoa, that's country as fuck." Yeah, I think it depends on your maybe your perspective. Because it's funny because I the reason I used to dislike country because I grew up in a very small southern town. Yep. And it's like I wanted to get away from that. Yep. And it reminded me of that, and that is the very reason why I think I like it now. Yeah, you just had that <laughs> distance. I, I mean, yeah. kind, kind of the same, man. I, I just, yeah. It, it when it resonates, it resonates like super mm-hmm. hard. When I, when I hear, I mean, honestly, uh, back to the Dave Cobb thing. Dave understands the idiom, um, and he he's bringing a lot out of people that like mm-hmm. they maybe didn't know is there. If you told me that I would be like celebrating uh, Chris Stapleton five years mm-hmm. ago even uh, like there's mm-hmm. there's no way and i love country like like my staples sorry staples but my my staples are like willie nelson they are merle haggard they are waylon jennings but but nothing like in in modern like canon and that uh he's helping to bring this through and that and that laurie found him or they found each other and able to work i think is kind of remarkable for the industry yeah yeah i was listening to an interview with her and she was talking about how i guess she she really wanted to work with him, and I think her manager maybe threw his name out there, and she was like, <laughs> what? Heck yeah. You know, because yeah. she had thought about him, and, but then she was like, no, there's no way. Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, he wouldn't want to work with me or whatever, you she's, know? She's very self-deprecating. <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing. Like, it's, yeah. it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 it is. 
So mm-hmm. now you did mention, and and I, I don't often like to compare this, um, compare albums to their previous work. I don't know if that's fair, but yeah. in this case, in this case, I mean, um, I've been and I, I haven't landed on an answer. I've been trying to parse exactly why Bird and the Rifle was so impactful to me and to a lot of people, and why it honestly brought people into country. To be quite honest, much mm-hmm. like Sturgill Simpson's second album. Uh, yeah. Meta modern sounds, you know, it, it has that effect. I don't know that it was, it would be fair to be like, be like, yeah, well, it's not burning the rifle, uh, so you shouldn't, you know, it's not as good mm-hmm. when you're talking about the degrees of 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 greatness. I I think at, at the end of the day, I didn't expect this album from her, and that's why it's taken a little time to get into. But the more I get into it, uh, the more I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm I'm with you on all of this. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I after seeing her and after hearing her and going back to the catalog, like she's clearly one of my favorite artists now. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I don't necessarily know what she's going to do next. Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. Because yeah, I mean, the last album. You're right. It was very much like a breakup album. I think that's why it resonated with so many people. This, I think, is more specific to, like, kind of has its target demographic, I think. People maybe in their 40s. Um, but, yeah, I think this one, I mean, I I will probably listen to Bird in the Rifle m- more. Like, I own yeah. it on vinyl. I don't own this one yet. If I see her, I probably would get this one. But I didn't send, I didn't order bird in the rifle for my mom i mean you know it's like and like i said i don't i don't do that that often and i just i I really wanted her to hear it and i think this album has that i think i said before it's important like i feel like it's important there's something about it that makes yeah it's like she's saying something that that people need to hear and like and sit with and think about but yet, at the same time, like you said, it's nothing that hasn't been said before. It's nothing, no. you know, like life changing or anything. It's just like, wow. It's I mean, it's it's really sweet. Like a friend of mine, I was telling him about it today, and he's like, "Yeah, I've put off listening to it because I'm afraid that it's going to be too sad based on people get old." <laughs> and yeah. he, and he just did, he's like, "I haven't been." And I was like, "You know, it's not. I don't think it's like I love sad music." But I was yeah. like, I don't think it's sad. I think it's nostalgic and and like sweet. But uh-huh. I don't. I don't think it's sad so he's like okay well i'll try to listen to it then <laughs> i think i think it is sad that's what i mean eduardo and i were joking about this and she's just like oh it's just there's a comes another batch of sad ass <laughs> song but but the great thing about it is and um and you know uh, people listening to this podcast just heard me talking with aaron ray um is uh it brings an empathy to this work that that isn't always there if you say things in a in a slightly different way than this, it comes off as platitudes, and it's like I'm just trying to tap into you liking sad stuff or the fact that you might be sad instead of uh, putting it in a way that like connects you feel connected to a larger thing. And maybe yeah. that maybe at the end of the day, that's what her talent is. I don't know if that comes from being a mother of like four. She have four kids or three. I kids? think fi- I think five. Five, four, oh five. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. you're right. Lots. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't know if it comes from that or where it comes from, but I know it's it's something that uh, people uh, probably need to be celebrating. 
Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And yeah, I've never, I can't think of another album, honestly, that, that made me that, um, that just appreciative for like, for my family and for like my really close relationships yeah. and, and for my home and my upbringing and everything. Like, yeah. And that makes it sound kind of sad and, and a little bit cheap, but it's, yeah, I can't think of another album that has done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's great. And uh, everybody should go out and buy it. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Kim. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully you will, uh, hopefully, well, uh, we're going to be relocating. I'll tell you more about that. Oh, my, wow. But, uh, but, but, uh, hopefully at some point we'll get to do this in person because it's, yeah, uh, it's be always, awesome. there, there's, there's usually good beer, good food and all that. Um, if people are looking for you and the good graces, where all can they find? Um, I'm all over the social sites like Facebook and Twitter and, but my like web home base is the goodgraces.org. Okay. So that's probably the best place. All right. Well, thank you so much. Everybody go out and buy the free and uh, I'll be back in a few minutes to wrap this all up. Laurie McKenna's The Tree is out there everywhere people get it. Uh, the vinyl is actually on back order. What do you know? I, I bought it. It hasn't got here yet because I didn't pre-order it like a dummy. Uh, but if, if you go, uh, I got that from Amazon because uh, they just, you know, they bring it straight to your door. And um, and it's hot and swampy here in D.C. It's hard to get out sometimes. Neither here nor there. Uh, but at any rate, uh, it's on back order. They immediately sold out at both shows uh, that we're at. So, uh, but But get it. Get it. And uh, big thanks to Kim Ware. Um, look forward to, see, to hearing her new stuff from the Good Graces. And look forward to talking to her again. Like I said, that was just um, – that, that actually, those two things made my week. The conversation with Aaron on Saturday and then this conversation that you just heard with uh, Kim Ware took place on Tuesday. It just um, – you, you know, it just – it was it was great. It was nice. I hope you guys get to do stuff like that and you're getting by. Um, before we get out of here – I want to tell you a few of the changes and, and, and address sort of why we did what we did, why we were doing some things that we're doing. Uh, first off, in the live music world, Matt Condon won't be shooting for the side anymore. He's decided to move on to do other things. Uh, that is fine because, in part, we are going to be relocating. I don't know when. Um, I do know where, um, but uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything beyond that. But sooner uh, rather than later, we're not going to be here uh, in this in this place uh, the basement will cease to exist. So in thinking about that, I said, well, I, there's got to be a different way to do it. As magical as this uh, this futon, um, and it's like these cat toys and everything is, uh, it is, uh, th- that time is, that time is gone. We got a good, good, good run. Uh, but, you know, with the basement flooding, a bunch of other shit, uh, it just actually all sort of hits at once. And, and, and that's kind of why we, we took a break. Uh, I, we were trying to power through. You know, you know, the basement was flooded before, but we were trying to power through. And and I had a great interview in the can um, with PJ Sykes using 
a, uh, a different internet service than I used for uh, for talking to Kim Ware. I won't name it because it's mean. But anyways, it sucked. <laughs> the interview was great. Uh, it, it, it was laggy. It had drift. It was just, it was, it was trash. Uh, you shouldn't use uh, that service. Uh, but at any rate, you, yeah, no, you may have, you may have better luck with it. But, uh, and that was just sort of a key to, to, you know, with all that going on, it was like, hey, man, just take a break. And, uh, and I think what we came out of it with was that all of us, myself, Eduardo, uh, Paul, who's now living in Portland, um, Carrie, like everybody who had been involved in this, Mauricio, um, Avery, uh, realized how hard we had been working for so long, um, and and had never really thought about it. It's just you get in the mode and you go, you go and you go and you go, and um, so I feel like we all hit burnout at once in this break. Uh, uh, you know, shut the site down, they put it on hiatus, put a little little plaque up there some instructions to do in the meantime um and now i'm happy to report that everybody seems at least so far um a lot better off a lot more focused a lot more um excited about doing this eduardo was over last night we were talking about the israel nash album and uh and it was great and we talked for about 25 minutes and hung out for about two hours and that that is the point um of, of why i do this why we do this is is human connection and you know, the times being what they were, uh, I personally just I got beat down, man. I know everybody's getting beat down, um, but I'm here to tell you, uh, if you feel that pressure in whatever you're doing, it's okay to take a break. Um, the only thing that is really, truly important are the human connections you have uh, to your loved ones, your friends, your, your family, your chosen family. Uh, you know, uh, we talked with Phil Cook, and he said, people are my drug. I won't go that far. Uh, sometimes I like the silence down here, but he uh, has a point. So uh, I guess what I'm saying and rambling is closing out this this thing is that uh, we're very happy to be back. I hope that what we do uh, makes your day a little better in, in any way. Um, that is a large part of why we do it. And then, uh, and, and I hope that, you know, if you're feeling pressure to just, you know, relax, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. We will get by, uh, and then we'll continue to get by the way we're going to get by now is we're only going to do this once a week. It's going to come out on Friday. It's going to be a mix of interviews. It's going to be a mix of a lot more interviews, actually. Uh, and it can be a mix of album reviews. Uh, we're going to be messing around with some features, something also that I've been wanting to do in the past six years that we've been doing this. Uh, we are getting together because most of us are musicians and uh, going to be crafting the theme music. I left the old theme music in here just for uh, for old time's sake, but very shortly you're going to hear a new theme song. You're going to hear new interstitial music. That's the music that you'll hear under my voice in a second. And and um, it, it gives us, that's how we refocus. That's how we change what we do um, and, and continue to try and be a part of the story. Uh, it is my belief that uh, at the end of the day, like I said, what we do doesn't really matter here down in the basement to anybody except ourselves. But uh, that said, I don't think any of us would know what to do if we weren't doing it. Um, so that's that's what's going to happen. Change is coming, and uh, and it is going to be fucking great. Uh, coming up next week on Friday, um, we're going to be talking to Joaquin Cooter. That is Ray Cooter's son. Uh, going to be talking to him this Saturday. 
and then uh, that's gonna be a. I hope that's gonna be a fan. I love Machu Picchu. Um, oh, what's the name of his album? Damn it. Uh, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes too. But uh, his his uh, Fusion Machu Picchu. That's it. Is um, a remarkable album. I saw him play with Ry Cooter, which was a concert highlight of my life. Uh, remarkable musician. Can't wait to talk to him. And like I said, me and Ed are talking about Israel Nash. And then we're going to run down some uh, new releases that maybe you should or shouldn't be listening to. Uh, it's going to be, uh, might be a little uninformed opinion. But anyways, that's what's coming up. Uh, so I'm going to get out of here. I'm not going to ramble like this on every podcast. Just wanted to get some stuff out there. Um, and uh, I'll be back next Friday. In the meantime, uh, if you're in D.C., uh, you know, stop by. Say hi. See you at a show. Like, say, hey, what's up? We'll grab a beer or something. I don't know. Uh, get out and, uh, and, and, and make those connections with people and uh and uh you know keep your head up and all that because it is it's a uh, it's a groovy groovy little world so we'll be back in a week until then be good to your ears but be better to your people we will talk to you soon <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!